Yeah, okay, and as Matt said, you know, yes, uh, I am a GAP intern with the Young Adults Ministry. My name is Eugene, and this is, in fact, um, my second internship with Grace, believe it or not. Um, yeah, I interned, what, seven, eight years back already? Wow, okay. <laughs> and today, I have the privilege of bringing you the Word of God. So last week, we heard from Pastor John about the birth of John the Baptist, right, and how gifts can be accepted and reshared. Today, we will look at a group of people that are often overlooked in the Christmas story. Uh, and these are the mothers who lost their children born on the same night as Jesus. Yeah. And today's, Simon is, uh, so today's sermon is titled, The Agony. Right. So last week, we talked about the awe of Christmas. And this week, we talk about the agony. So let's take out our Bibles. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. And we will examine the lives of these mothers who lost their sons. And as believers, let us learn how we can hold on to the gift that truly matters in our lives. Before we begin, let's pray. Father Lord, as we read about this um, tragedy that happened uh, due to King Herod, Lord, we just pray that as we, yeah, as we learn and as, we, as, we, as the word is being imparted, Lord, help us to learn that the gifts that we have in our lives uh, are not permanent, Lord. Help us to hold on to you, the greatest gift. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Yeah, and, and really our big idea today is simple. <laughs> Gifts can be received and lost. I mean like, duh, right? You know, I think most of y'all know uh, that, that you can receive and you can lose gifts. But I don't just mean physical gifts. I think most of us really enjoy getting or giving physical gifts, especially now that we're getting ready for Christmas. Right, but God gives other kinds of gifts to us as well. Uh, and one such gift for me was uh, my paternal grandma, right? Or those of you who know um, your nanai, or you know, that's what you call your paternal grandma. And my nanai was always very caring towards me, right? Especially as the firstborn son of a Chinese family. To her, it's very important to see me eat and see me cut my hair, and see me buy new clothes, right? Because that's how she says, I love you. I think most, most parents nowadays are, are very comfortable saying, yeah, I love you, right? But then uh, our grandparents are a bit more uh, reserved with that, right? In fact, I never really heard, uh, I love you, come out of my grandma's mouth, yeah. But I knew that she loved me, you know, and uh, she always nag at me, and, and that's how I knew. But I think... Unfortunately, this gift was slowly taken away from me as Nanai reached the end of her life. Not only did she suffer a few bad falls, which really took a toll on her physical health, but uh, her mind also was slowly being eaten away by dementia, right? And, and uh, how many of y'all today have grandparents in sort of uh, a similar plight, right? With dementia, with ailing health. And it is agonizing, you know, to watch someone you know and love slowly being taken away from you. Nainai eventually couldn't walk, then after a while she couldn't bathe herself and eventually couldn't feed herself, right? And uh, while she always remembered my names and, and me, uh, you know, our family's names, she stopped remembering what happened in the recent years that have, uh, or even the day's events she would forget. So you can imagine, right, on good days, I already get necked to eat my food. On bad days, she will nag me, even though she see me eat, like after a few minutes, she'll call me to eat again because she just doesn't remember. Right, And when she eventually passed away, she had been bedridden for a long 11 years. Right? She was in and out of hospital, and at the end of her life, she had to use a machine to breathe. 
um, eventually, you know, we didn't really know whether she still recognized us because she couldn't speak anymore. And at Mandai Crematorium, right, when she was being cremated, I couldn't help but ask God why he had to take her in this manner. Why, why had she... Why did she have to go through so much pain over so many years? You know, some of us hope to die fast, you know, and I hope I'm not being too morbid. But as young people, we don't really give death much thought. But how many of you know that we can lose our loved ones and all kinds of gifts, right? We can lose these gifts. Some of us have lost something dear, near and dear to our hearts, right? And when we experience loss, our faith shatters the fact is that our lives are tied to many, many things that we hold dear to us. And these things form a foundation for your identity. Sometimes when these foundations are shaken or removed, whether unwillingly or willingly, our worldview and our identities are shaken. Some of us, you know, have lost things like a relationship that we thought was a firm foundation. Some of us have lost a job you know, in, you know, through COVID. Some of us have lost a sense of security. Some of us are grieving over a breakup or a relationship. Some of you have lost hope or lost confidence in who you are. And some of us here today feel like we are losing our faith. Our key passage here today is from Matthew chapter 2, where a group of mothers in a remote little village called Bethlehem lost their sons. These gifts of life were important to them. They were their children. And that was forcibly taken away from them, killed because of a jealous king called Herod, who heard that a new king would come from Bethlehem. These mothers experienced firsthand that precious gifts can be taken. Now let's read the passage together. Verse 13, when they had departed, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child and destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were, 12, who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children because she refused to be comforted because they are no more. And my first point today is that gifts can be lost. What a loss it was on that night for the village of Bethlehem. Herod killed all the male children in Bethlehem and at that time, their population was about a thousand people. So somewhere between 10 and 20 families lost a son that day in the tragedy. Can you imagine what pain these mothers would have felt? I think if there was a pain scale, right, zero to 10, maybe losing your phone is like a tree, right? If it's not a very expensive phone. Maybe losing your pet is a, is a five, right? But carrying a child for nine months, feeling the baby grow inside of you, 
going through the pain of childbirth, then having this precious life ripped from your arms is definitely near the top of that pain scale. Every mother sees their child as a gift from God. You know, I think most of us here aren't parents, but we have parents. Can you imagine how your mother would react if something would happen to you? Think about the sorrow that parents feel when they have to bury their children. And this was sorrow. The Bible says there was weeping and loud lamentation. And these mothers refused to be comforted. Agony, like the heartache of a breakup, like the betrayal of a close friend, like the ostracization at school. And we are confronted with that reality and that agony on Christmas night. It was a dark, dark, dark period for these mothers, but in their darkness, there was hope. Which brings us to our next thought when we talk about losing gifts. The, the next thought is there is hope when we lose our gifts. The loss you experience when gifts are taken away from you become tests of faith. Matthew references a test of faith in the chapter that we read. Israel had to go through this test of faith in Ramah. This, this account of Ramah is taken from the book of Jeremiah, when the Babylonians came to attack Jerusalem. And this too was a period of agony for the Israelites. They had to see their homes, their holy city, burnt to the ground. And they were taken to a place called Ramah, where families were scattered. So imagine one day, you are just going about your normal life, going to school, going to work, and suddenly you are ambushed, attacked by foreign soldiers. They set fire to your house, round up your fellow citizens, and bring you to a holding place called Ramah. And in that holding place, you can imagine families are scared, families are confused, crying, vulnerable, and some people are missing family members, some people are injured, some people are killed. And there, foreign invaders would sort people out. They would group those who still could work to bring back to Babylon, right, to work as slaves. Right? And those that can't, like infants, children, grandparents, are killed on the spot or left to die. Can you imagine the scene at Ramah, the weeping and the trauma that you would go through as an Israelite at that time? But the story does not end there, friends. The story does not end there. Immediately after this account in Jeremiah about Ramah, the next verses say this. In Jeremiah 31, verses 16 to 17, Thus says the Lord, Keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord. And they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord and your children shall come back to their own country. What powerful words to say in the midst of this tragedy. There is hope for your future. Indeed, Matthew of this gospel, the author of this gospel is telling us this. There is hope for the future, even though you are weeping now. I want to take a moment to speak to those of us who are currently experiencing loss. Maybe you lost a loved one this year. Maybe you lost a relationship that meant the world to you. 
maybe you just feel like too much has already been taken away from your life. These are the words that the Lord speaks to you. There is hope for your future, even though there is weeping now. This world may be dark, may be broken, but in the midst of all this, God intervened with the birth of Christ. In these valleys of life, in the darkness of these valleys, the ultimate giver gives us his ultimate gift, his son, Jesus. You know, next gen, some of us are going through periods of darkness right now, whether it be for your mental health or due to the circumstances you are facing. You can lose everything else in your life. But hear this, don't stop walking with God. Don't stop walking with God. Don't give up the gift of your relationship with God because God understands your loss. There is hope for your future. And our third thought today when we talk about losing our gifts is precisely that. God understands your loss. It feels like God might be far away sometimes when we are in the darkness, when we are in that long night of the soul, when we are struggling. But God understands your loss. Where was Jesus on the night that Herod killed all these little boys? We know that Joseph took his family and fled to Egypt upon the prompting of, a, of an angel. Right, so now, Many of you might be shifting in your seats, thinking, wow, of course God would save his own son, right, from such a cruel fate. But here's the thing, God didn't. God didn't spare his son from that fate. Jesus lived that night, fulfilled his purpose through his ministry in life, and was sacrificed on the cross for our sins. We see that in Luke chapter 2, Simeon, a prophet, prophesies that and speaks that over Mary, the mother of Jesus, who would, and he says, you, you will eventually experience the agony that all these mothers in Bethlehem experienced. In Luke chapter 2, verse 25, Simeon prophesies, Behold, this child is appointed for the, right, uh, for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I mean, what a prophecy to give a new mother, right? I mean, if I were married, I wouldn't receive this very gladly. Lah. Maybe I'll say, Choi lah. Don't, don't, don't curse my son, you know, don't curse me. You know, I, I, I reject that. Uh, but indeed, Mary experienced this loss when she saw her beloved son nailed to the cross. And you know who else was watching? God. God the Father. God the creator of the universe. The ruler of all things. The Most High put himself through the agony of losing his one and only Son. God the Father, who was with Christ since the beginning of time, turned his face away in pain from the cross when his Son became our sin. This has never happened since creation. You know, I, I don't know if it has occurred to us before, but it has never happened in creation, since creation, and will never happen again since the cross, where the father and son break that gaze that they have towards each other 
little did all of us know that God himself would put himself through that pain of losing his begotten son so that we can have salvation. So how can we say, God, you don't understand my pain? How can we say, God, you are so far away from me. You, you don't know what I'm going through. I think you must be, you know, I, I can't, how can we say that? God felt this ultimate pain from both sides, on the cross and watching the cross. For what? John 3.16, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So the next time you go through agony, when you lose a loved one, when you lose something near and dear to your heart and it feels like death, it feels like a sword is piercing through your soul, remember this, God understands what you are going through. God understands. I recall a recent agony I suffered uh, when I had an open fracture on my right leg. Um, and for those that don't know, uh, an open fracture means uh, your bone comes out from your skin. <laughs> yeah, so here's a picture of the injury. No, I'm like, kidding. No, I like, cannot, cannot. We are on YouTube. <laughs> but anyway, uh, there's, there's a scar here. Uh, I don't know if the camera can pick it up, but yeah, there's a scar. Anyway, so I was, long, I was longboarding one night with, with some friends, right? It's my first time longboarding. I, I didn't know how. So uh, the night went pretty well for, for a few hours, maybe. And then this champion thought to myself, oh, yeah, okay, la. I, I think without incident, so I just tried myself. So my friends went to pack up their stuff, went to pack their rollerblades, everything. Then I took the, the longboard and I went down like a, a, a down slope, right? So uh, as I went down the slope, it started going like faster and faster and faster. And I was internally like, Oh, okay, cannot, cannot, cannot. So <laughs> I, I, I tried to jump off, right? And in that panic, and when I jumped, I landed really badly on the wrong leg, and it happened, and, and it snapped. Uh, yeah, I, I, I still remember, I was, I was in shock, right, on the, on the floor, and my first thought was, oh, GG, my next six months, GG. <laughs> so... And, and, you know, I was, took it, I was taken to the hospital, right? I was, I was in an ambulance and all that, and on my hospital bed, I lost my mobility. I can't walk. I lost my comfort of being at home. No, you know, honestly, no diss to the hospital cooks, but like, hospital food is hospital food, lah, right? So, uh, I lost the comfort of being at home, home-cooked food. I lost my privacy in the ward. It wasn't a, it wasn't a single-person ward. I lost the close contact of family because family can't visit, um, couldn't visit during COVID, right? So. I lost all these things and it hurt, right? Night, those few nights, it hurt. I, and I went under the knife. I went for two operations. Uh, I, remember, I remember being on the operating table on the, for the second time, right? And I had nothing but a hospital gown. No phone, no belongings, no clothes, no family, no nothing. When all these things were stripped away, all I had was my work with God. That's all, right? And, and, and you can't even bring, I, I can't even bring my spectacles in, right? And I'm a chronic worrier, right? I'm very anxious about a lot of things. I overthink a lot of things. And before surgery, this anesthesiologist, 
they are, I mean, they're legally obligated, right? So they'll tell you, uh, there's, sir, there's a low chance that you might not wake up from this operation. So uh, I, I just need to let you know, uh, a very low chance, but there is a chance. So, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> so at the moment, you felt like, why you tell me, <laughs> you know? Why, 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 why you tell me the chances? I'd rather not know the chances. And it scared me to death, right? That I might not wake up from this operating table. But even then, I knew that there is hope in my pain because I was sure that if I didn't wake up this side, I wake up with Christ. So after the op, again, me being the dramatic, melancholic, INFP type 9 that I am, oh, I started thinking and started getting panic attacks about Dying. I mean, I wasn't actually dying, right? Nobody, nobody dies from a broken ankle. But I was reminded that God understands my pain. The, you know, the, I remember being in the ward and my leg was sort of elevated up and I was in pain and I was having a panic attack. I never had panic attacks, but I, didn't, I, I, had, I just started experiencing them. And a nurse kid would come over and look at me in the eye and say, So what's wrong? Then I would say, I think I'm dying. <laughs> and, and then she would look at me in the eye and then she would say, are you actually dying? Then I said, uh, I think no. And she said, no lah! <laughs> so you are a healthy young man who just gone through surgery for your ankle and you are recovering. People here have like tubes in them and everything and you're you are not dying lah, relax, relax. So I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I'm not dying, I'm not dying, you know. And it's, it's, incredulous when, it's incredible when I think about it, right? I wasn't actually dying, but Christ, Christ was. He never complained about it. He never had panic attacks about it, right? In fact, the only time he cried out to the Father was before he took the cross in Gethsemane and, after, and at, on the cross when the Father turned his face away from him. It took me an open fracture to learn some of these lessons. Well, I mean, it, at least it was an open fracture. But I hope you catch this now, not when a crisis happens. And I hope that you don't have to break a leg to understand some of these lessons. Hearing all this, I have one application principle, just one, right? And that is, hold on to your gifts lightly. Hold on to the Lord tightly. Prioritize your relationship with God first. Then think about all the other things in your life. Next gen, remember, all gifts are perishable except your walk with God. Why hold on so tightly to things that are perishable? All things expire. All things rot. All things rust. All things eventually disappear from your life. That's why you hold on to the one thing that will last, God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 20 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, when neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you build your life on material things, 
when you are in lack, will feel life sucks. When you build your life on relationships and people leave your life, you will feel that life sucks. If you build your life on your career and you lose your job, then your life becomes meaningless. God can use agony to speak to us. When we stop listening to that still small voice that is prompting us and calling us, C.S. Lewis says, God shouts to us in our pain. When we are in pain, suddenly God has your attention. We sit up and pay attention and suddenly your faith becomes real again. If we are holding on too tightly to the treasures of this world, God takes these things away from us to show what truly matters. And is this any different from what loving parents would do? We love giving children gifts, but when they start to misuse these gifts, like trying to eat something that they're not supposed to eat, or trying to, trying to hit others with a toy, what would parents do? Take the gift away. Because the gift, while it is good, is no longer good for you it becomes no longer good for us and therefore it is taken. This process of loss is likened to a refining furnace, right? And this, this verse we see in First Peter, right, where um, our faith is like a, uh, is put through fire, right? And it says it's more precious than gold. Just like gold, when our souls are put through agony, only the most resistant, most fundamental most basic things remain. You know, you, in good times, when we have everything we need and there's no crisis, I think all of us get distracted by the things of life. We think about what phone to buy, we think about what app to download, what new series to watch, which new cafe to go. But when we are put through tough times, this fire of agony, suddenly we hang on to God tightly relying on Him much more than we usually would when life is good. Only God and His love for us will remain when everything else is burned away from us. And picture this, if, like me, you were on the operating table today, what would you have? Would you have your relationship with God? because you can't take any, anything else with you, what would you be left with? Agony is not the only way God can use to prune and grow us, but it is one of God's instruments for spiritual formation. So next time you feel like you're in the fire and your faith is tested, don't be so quick to run away. Don't be so quick to put it out. Remember that the process of refining helps us to hold on to God in tough times. As believers, we must count the cost of following Jesus. We must weigh what matters in our lives. And to be a disciple of God means to hold God above everything else, including your families, right? Holding God above everything else. To hold on to our gifts lightly, but hold on to the Lord tightly. And this leads me to a final question that I have for you. How is your relationship with God now? I think a lot of the cell leaders, you're, <laughs> you're familiar with this question. And, and, but really ask yourself, how is your relationship with God now? Are you holding on to your gifts 
instead of the giver. I mentioned that we tie our lives and our identities and our foundations to some things that are very close and very near and very dear to our hearts. I call these things life anchors, right? Because, you know, they anchor your life, right? So the Bible likens these life anchors to building a house, right? The analogy of building a house, right? And we see this, uh, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And anyone who hears the, these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. The Bible is clear in this. Christ is the unshakable, unmovable bedrock. He is a firm foundation that we can build our lives on. All else is shifting sand. Sometimes God sends or allows temporary floods to test the, faith, the foundations of our houses. Some of us who have put our trust in worldly things, when the floods come, our lives are shaken up. Our houses partly fall, right? There is agony, there is pain, but there is also recalibration. There is also rebuilding. And this is what we call the new normal, right? Where you're shaken up already, and then what? You have to find a new normal to settle back into, right? So you rebuild your house, but you rebuild your house on something again, right? So today, the question is, what are you building your house on now? What do you place your hope in? You've heard it said many times, Jesus didn't come to give you a storm-free life. He came to give you a storm-proof life. Not a storm-free life, but a storm-proof life. So that when the floods come and the rains come and the winds beat on the house, the house that is on the bedrock of Christ will not fall. Today as I close, I want to return to the time of Jesus' birth where a great weeping was heard in Bethlehem. I want to remind us all today, the story does not end in agony. The prophecy does not end with tragedy. Christ now gives life freely to sinful men. Christ now gives life freely to sinful men. For the sons born and died in Bethlehem, that, born and, that were born and died in Bethlehem, a son is given to us so that all other sons might live. As we begin to respond to this word through the altar, be encouraged, take heart, because in your agony, God understands. And He wants to give you a hope through His Son, Jesus Christ. So I'd like for us all to rise and let us close our eyes and bow our heads as we respond to the altar call today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The first altar call today is for those of us who have yet to receive this gift of Christ. You have maybe heard of it before. You have maybe attended a church service before, but you have never really invited Christ or really uh, invited Christ to be your personal Lord and Saviour. 
this call is for you today. Don't miss this opportunity, right? We know that when the winds come and the rains, when the winds, rains, and the floods come, a house that is not built on the right foundations will fall. So today, this first call is for you to find that bedrock, right? And just begin to build on that bedrock. So for those of us who have not yet received Christ with all eyes closed and all heads bowed, why don't you put up your hand as a response to the Lord? And my second call is for those of us who lost something or lost someone in your life. Your house is shaken, your house has fallen and is being rebuilt. For those of us that face that today, build your house on Christ, the bedrock. You know, the flood may have destroyed part of your house, but you say, I want to come back. I want to rebuild on something. I want to rebuild on something that lasts so that when the next flood comes, I am ready. So that when the next flood comes, my house will not be destroyed. So for those of us who are experiencing loss and want to rebuild on Christ, why don't you raise your hands to respond to the Lord today? I see that hand. I see that hand. Let this altar be an opportunity for the Lord to comfort you in your weeping, in your mourning, in your valley. Let this altar be a chance for the Lord to show you how well He understands your pain. One last time. You want to rebuild stronger. Just put up your hands and respond to the Lord today. Thank you for responding. For those of us who have raised your hands, come down to the altar so that we can pray with you and pray for you. In periods of weeping, we want to be a community that stands with you. Let this place be, the, be where the Lord encounters you and gives you hope. So just come from wherever you are. Begin to let the Lord minister to you as we pray. Father Lord, we are thankful for this word that you have released over us. Lord, we know that everything else in our life can change, can be lost, can be taken. But Lord, we want to hold on to you tightly today. Help us to recenter, refocus, rebuild on the gift that can never be taken away from us. Lord, so today we want to prioritize that relationship we have with you. For those of us who have experienced loss, Lord, I pray that you will be the healing salve for their hearts. That you will come and encounter them and give them comfort, give them encouragement. And Lord, help us to put you first. Hallelujah. So for those that raise your hands, why don't you come? Come right now as we, as we sing. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust this 
Oh 